Hey guys, this is Rob Bass, and you're listening to the Movie Podcast Network. Are you into comics and cool stuff, or did you like to be? Well, if so, go on and check out our guys over at waywardraven.com. If you haven't been there, you should. Great stuff, novelties, gear, comics, and uh, just a bunch of cool guys. So check them out at waywardraven.com. Use our discount code. You know what it is. It's Neckbeard to get a certain amount of money off your purchase. Check them out today. If you're a gamer and or like coffee, be sure to get over to Player One Coffee, our guys in Salt Lake City. Be sure to get yourself some of the overclocked omen, as it is the God's gift to gamers. Go on over to PlayerOneCoffee.com and use our discount code, GeekCastLive. Hey everybody, GCR here to tell you about a new product that we are trying to sell, and that we use ourselves. It's CBD oil. If you're anything like me, as a 35-year-old overweight man, you have a sore back, you have a sore shoulder, and you fight insomnia all the time. Well, I don't anymore. CBD oil is legal in all 50 states, and this HempWorks product is fantastic. We have THC-free if you're worried about a drug test, and we have salves and creams and oils, peppermint, cinnamon, no flavor. We have everything. Go to GCLCBD.com and get some for yourself because you deserve it. If you're anything like us here at GeekCast Live, I know that almost all you've ever wanted to do in life is play wizard chess. Well, now here's your chance. You can head on over to squareoffnow.com and pick yourself up a wizard chessboard, basically. Just use our discount code GCL to get 20% and free shipping off your order. That's squareoffnow.com, discount code GCL for wizard chess today. Go buy t-shirts. <laughs> play that. Just play it. GCL thread, GCL.threadless.com. T-shirts, hats, shower curtains. Be about that life. You can probably get it on a toy. Anal beads. Mm -hmm. I think they have anal beads. They have leggings. Yeah, stockings, bath curtains. They got like uh, uh, Kenny Loggins' skull on a (laughs) T-shirt. It looks like Kenny Loggins, doesn't it? Wait, what was it? GCL. .threadless.com That's gcl.threadless.com 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 It's a trap! episodes. I am your host, GCR, and with me, as always, Rob Bass. And, Car- I mean, uh, this is Nico. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cartoon Joe is out this evening. He is in uh, Bogota. Uh, uh, Texas. Yep. Texas, Bogota, Tech, uh, his uncle, 
uh, has fallen he, uh, uh, in love. Well, in uh, love. no, he fell off a banister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought he fell into a vat of bolo ties. A vat. All at once. Is that where you keep? Is that where you keep your bolo ties? Yeah, it's, it's yeah, actually if you go you? to Amazon right now for bolo ties, you can buy them single by the packs or by the or by the vat. Yeah, much what cheaper if you buy by, by the vat. <laughs> what is something you realistically could buy by the vat? Um, uh, it's sulfuric molasses. acid. No, that's probably drums. Molasses. Molasses. I guess you're probably right. What exactly? Uh, Joker making slime. Joker making slime, <laughs> which coincidentally is the exact same as the uh, as the dip from Roger Rabbit. It is. I prefer. Well, I prefer the the Joker making slime because at least you you know can theoretically bounce out of it. Theoretically, what can you buy? I mean, what what can you buy? Well, What's you can the, buy, what is you the can official definition of a vat, and where does like where does the line get drawn between that and other large canisters? Well, you can buy whiskey by the dram and by the barrel, um, you know, et cetera. So I don't think whiskey is sold in a vat. I mean, that's fair. I, I just, I'm just, I, I don't think right. it's one of the answers. That's, that makes sense. Did you guys know I'm, I'm watching the second Fifty Shades movie right now. Is that was that where you went with that? Yeah. Why? It's what's on. Hmm. My choice was that, or let me see what it was. It that or uh, Spy Kids. Mm. Ooh! Wow. Actually, yeah. sorry. This is this is the third Fifty Shades. Fifty Shades Freed. Spy. Oh. I, I like Spy Kids. It's a good uh, Kurt Russell making fun of himself role. Love that movie. <laughs> Kurt Russell's in Spy Kids. Yeah, he's the dad. Mm, no, that's Antonio Banderas. Well, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of Sky High, aren't I? Yeah. Yes, you, you are thinking Sky High. Mm. Hey, Poop, poopy. Unrelated. <laughs> Apparently, there's a philosophical concept called brain in a vat, which I've just learned about. But nothing, uh, nothing about buying things in terms of vats. But I would That's sure. interesting. Also known as Biv. <laughs> brain <laughs> in a vat. Yeah. Roy G. Biv. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was, the, that was the <laughs> the creator of, of <laughs> the, <laughs> the vat scenario. They don't have Roy G. Biv. <laughs> they don't have that anymore? Uh-uh. I don't bar. think they ever did. It's not that those colors aren't in the rainbow that they see over in England. It's just that they the concept of the acronym Roy G. Biv Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't exist there. That's a <laughs> splendid fact. In fact, I wish I could. Re- well, not I said in fact, but then I don't. I don't have anything to back that up. I wish I could remember how they. There's like a kindergarten song that they sing that is like that covers all the colors of the rainbow, and like they don't say like um like violet. They say like uh, aubergine. Or some shit. <laughs> mm. When have you had time to, to soak yourself in, in like British nomenclature? 
When I was in the Dominican Republic on vacation like eight years ago. This doesn't check out. Not, not nearly. Check, not even at all. It does check out. I was at the swim up bar and I was drinking <laughs> the rainbow. So I'm going to have a red drink, an orange drink, a yellow drink, a green drink. You know what I mean? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink. That's what I'm going to do. Right. Well, some British guy was there with his, with the, his wife and another couple. And they asked what I was doing. I told them I'm drinking the rainbow. You know, Roy G. Biv. And they were like, what's that? And I was like, come on. Like red, orange, yellow. Green, blue, indigo, violet, and they're like, "Oh, the colors of the rainbow." Uh, so, uh, we have, yep. We we have the rainbow song. We don't. I don't know what Roy G. Biv is, and so they all for like they all sung the rainbow song to me, and it was like, it was the most British fucking send off. Fucking, it was like watching some lame joke on the BBC, but it was they have some other fucking song. I'm sure Dolby would sing it for us if he was here. Or he'd make I bet they up. were just fucking with you. Yeah, they might have. Well, they might have been. If they were, then the four of them on the plane ride to the Dominican said, "If we come across an American drinking colorful drinks, let's talk to him <laughs> this about is, what we do." Yeah. and then let's all sing this song. Yeah, this is and the equivalent of less- getting like some like kanji tattooed on your back that actually says "washing machine." Yes. I'm not following that, but it seems like this would be appropriate. I'm not following the joke, but the tenor suggests it's a joke. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bert. No problem. And now the weather. <laughs> and now Blackie with the weather forecast. It's go rain. Hey, uh, I have a, I did have something. I don't know where I got on this tangent, but I do have I have a question for you, Nick, that was posed to me by our good friend uh JK Juke McCutcheon. Sweet hell okay jason no I, I don't i don't know the appropriate urine to uh draw in a a, <laughs> a russian boar no i don't i don't know that Find jason it. Priestley mm-hmm. in the movie tombstone yep billy correct is he the christian leitner of a great ensemble cast no He's not. No. So who's the Christian Leitner? Are, are you making a 92 Olympics reference? Football? I'm making a 92 Olympics reference in the concept of okay. Christian Leitner was the he's, – he's on the dream team. He's a he, basketball Hall of Famer because that team's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I, as, a, as a basketball aficionado – I, I kind of like Christian Leitner. I mean, he's I'm, he's a he's I, a I he's a good a... he's a really good player at the borderline of being great. Um, he's not in the Basketball Hall of Fame. I don't believe he, the, I don't the, believe. the Dream Team is in the Hall oh, of Fame. Oh, I see what you're saying. That um, that puts him in de facto. Yeah, I I would say he, for all his like, he's eminently hateable. You know. But also, I, I like him from a competitive aspect. If you actually know anything about him, surface are you level. Talking about, are you still talking about Christian Leitner? Yes, Christian Leitner. Okay. I, uh, I agree with you in all these things you're saying. But uh, so my here's my point. Is, here's my point. I don't think, I don't think Priestley's best work is, oh, no, my game has ended. Um, <laughs> I don't think Priestley's best work is anywhere close to the, even in the realm of a Christian Leitner's best work. So I, I don't even think that you can count Priestley as part of Tombstone. He is, 
he's more irrelevant in that movie than Christian Leitner was on the 92 Dream Team. So who is the Christian Leitner of Tombstone? Uh, it's a tremendous question. Can you give me a second to think on it here? A- absolutely. I sprung it on you. I, I think who, I know the answer, but I want to make sure that I'm, uh, that I'm you assigning, make sure you have his name. That I'm assigning the appropriate jamokeness to the appropriate jamoke. Before you say it, if you need to figure out what his name is to make sure that you're saying the no, right no, guy. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm right. Uh, based on the entire package of work. God, no, I can't do that to him. I don't think you can base it upon the entire package of work. I think you have to base it just on the movie. Then it's Thomas Hayden Church. It's Thomas Hayden Church. Yeah. I was just getting ready to say Billy Clanton. Yeah, that's 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 where I'm gonna go with it. Is the Christian Leitner of that cast? And funny that you say that because I did actually watch some of Tombstone like last week, and which made me think of our debate uh, a few weeks ago. And I think I may have to move Tombstone into the top spot for like the greatest ensemble cast um, of of any movie. I I don't remember what I gave it to last time because I'm a little sleepy. But it's definitely got to be considered. It's uh, it's tremendous. Um, I mean, all the way down to I mean, Michael Bain, Powers Booth. You you can get all the way down to Jason Priestley in that movie, and 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 you still haven't said Billy Bob Thornton. But see, I don't even remember where he is in that movie. Like I know, I know he's in there, and I know I Billy Bob Thornton. He's the he's the Pharaoh dealer that. Uh, when he first gets into town, Wyatt walks okay. in and he, uh, Johnny Tyler. Okay. Where are you going with that shotgun? Yeah. That's, it's a, it's a fat Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. Then, then, then yeah, I'm still sticking with Hayden Church because Billy Bob's so like, <laughs> he's barely there. And, uh, even you our good it, friend. Billy Zane. I mean, you go Billy Zane. Billy but, Zane's in it. But even our good friend uh, uh, Michael Rooker. But see, he um, plays a pretty significant role. And, and he is, yeah. I think Rooker is an underrated actor. So maybe he could be Leitner, I guess, because Leitner's an underrated player. Debatable. It's a great question. It's a, it's a really good question. You could take any ensemble movie and say, in the framework of the 1992 dream team who is christian leitner in fact you could take any ensemble movie and say who is the jordan through leitner if you wanted to that Uh, that would make a whole episode that's a whole episode that's a that's a that's a a three-part bonus episode that we could put together pick three (laughs) movies that have an ensemble enough number of actors it's it and well actually say like let's take tombstone for example it's tombstone what, was, did I, what did i do what was my choice for this last time what was my number one movie because i totally can't I, remember now i can't remember either for ensemble cast i had a great one let's just let's let's just use tombstone right now for just a second okay who if 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 it's michael magic and larry let's mm-hmm. say are the one two three yeah it's obviously a, it's a, that's a Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Sam Elliott. Oh yeah. Okay. Now, well, now what are you going to do? Powers Booth. Well, I, who is Powers Booth? Is that Ewing? 
Uh, Powers Booth is your Barkley. He's, he's a Barclay starter. Is- I mean, he's a starter. <laughs> what a great, what an absolute great concept. I, I'm, you know, I'm all in. You had me quick. in anything dream team. <laughs> quick, Chris Mullins. Uh, Mullins would be Michael Bain. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, Bill Paxton. Uh, Paxton is. Oh, he's Pippin. Pippin. Oh, Pip. Well, there you go. <laughs> hey, Pippin. Um, anyway, Rob has been silent for 15 minutes because oh, I completely checked out. <laughs> We're talking about Tombstone and the Dream Team. Tombstone, I can follow a little bit, but once you started getting into the Dream Team, uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, think I know some of the people that you're talking about, but I was only just born that year. So, M- not. Matroid. Matroid, if you're listening, Nick and I would like you, a big basketball fan, to come on the show one of these times and let's do this. Let's pick, let's pick three movies with an ensemble cast and, and line them up. I want to know who the Clyde Drexler of Tombstone is. I want to know who the John Stockton of Tombstone is. That's what I want. I want to know who John and Stockton I- is. <laughs> oh, boy. He's oh, a... Boy. He's a uh, he's a hawkish white man. That sounds about typical. Continue. No, that's that's all I got. That's okay. all I just that was. I've been wanting to bring that topic up with you. I wanted to bring it up with you last week, last week, but you uh, you weren't there, and so I I didn't know what to do. I brought it up this week instead. Well, well I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Did we lose Nick? No, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, he's here. I mean, are, you really also, are you really also turning into Fifty Shades Freed right now? I'm not. I'm not watching television. I'm trying to figure out how to make my chessboard move. Ah, um, press down on the piece until it beats. Yeah. and flip. Well, I can't hear anything because I've got headphones on. I'm podcasting, so I'm. It's funny. Here, here, do this. Can you keep the headphones on? Because I can hear it. So go ahead and press down on it. Well, you can hear what? Your beeping of your chessboard. How? Oh, I your see. mic is hot. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, re- it's ready now to move. If you move it to a place that is an applicable move and press down again, it should beep once more. I did. And it gave like a little triple beep, like a beep, 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 beep. That means it's not a move that that piece can make. It, it is. It's a pawn moving up two spots. Has it already moved? No, it's the first move of the game. I'm white. Um, then you have the pieces on the wrong side of the board. Yep. I'm on the square off side. Then, uh, then throw it away. It's a broken. Um, let me try something here. It's a broken. <laughs> Are you, if, if you move that piece, are you in check? No, it's the first move of the game. Yeah, then most likely if you're white, then you have the pieces on the wrong side of the board. Grab one of the black pieces mm-hmm. and try to move it forward as if it's your piece. Yep. No, it does oh. the triple beep. Hmm. You've ruined it. 
That's interesting. Are you playing? Are you playing somebody online? Yeah, I'm playing your brother. Oh, is this your? uh, Is this your? Is this your official first match? It is. Oh wow! So it's the first move of the game. You're white, and it's not working. And you're moving a pawn. Bold play. Not to tell you. Kingside pawn. Uh, correct. Is it your is it your king's pawn? Negative. Aha. Uh-huh. I understand. What happens in Fifty Shades Freed? I thought this movie was all about like torture sex. There's mm. a torture sect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of the yep. Of the uh whatever church he's a part of. Probably Catholic. I want to play as white. I want to have game sounds. You know what's crazy is he grows up to in the chase right Robert Langdon across the Vatican. Isn't it weird? Who yes. does? Christian uh, Gray. Yeah. Oh. And then, and then after that, he gets really old, but he stays young because of his painting. Mm-hmm. It's a weird <laughs> fucking story. Speaking of it weird is. fucking stories, the Oscars were this week. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God! I'm gonna let Ryan go off on that. It was a, uh, uh, it was, uh, hostless, which was weird. I've never seen a hostless Oscars. That sounds like the best way to do it. It wasn't bad. It really wasn't bad. It was just, it just kind of kept moving along. Just kept moving along. That um, seems nice. I also thought the, uh, um. The Gaga Bradley Cooper original song was fantastic. Yeah, that's a pretty damn righteous tune. It, uh, uh, there's no way, uh, to quote my friend David Spade, there's no way they're not fucking, though. Yeah. I kind of like yeah. it better if they're not. They're just kind of yearning at it. I'd like it better if they're not, too, but I don't think that that's possible. I don't think I. I mean, I guess he is an actor, so could they have? I guess they could have acted that smolder, but Jesus, that was like that was sexy. Yeah, I think almost, she, I think she, I think she'd blow him on stage without any real qualms. But good for them. No, yeah, I'd probably blow him on stage. I love. I uh, my. I think my favorite part about it was Spike Lee's uh, reaction to. He's to, a uh, fucking Knicks fan. That's what he is. Well, when he well, when he yeah. loses when when a black Klansman lost to uh, for Best Picture when it lost to the Green Green Book. Yeah, and which he's, apparently he's was some sort of travesty. Place. Well, it's not a. It's like a white savior apologist movie. It's just that every time that uh, Spike Lee's got a movie up for Best Picture, it loses to Driving Miss Daisy, which is his yeah. which is which is his quote. Which I fucking loved. Yeah, right. He gets stuck with like a a fifties racial period piece and loses the sympathy vote. I mean, it's two for two. Hold on, what the hell? Sorry, one second. A piece just snuck across the board. That would be him moving. Yeah, but it doesn't say that we're playing. Oh, you guys got some funky thing going on. I'm just going to try this. What the fuck? I think you're playing the ghost in your house at this point. Could be. 
I didn't mind the Oscars though, Rob. I actually thought, I mean, aside for the fact that I didn't win my Oscar pool, I tied. I was in a four-way tie for fourth. And I'm actually surprised that Joe's not here just to gloat about the fact that he tied for first with 16 correct uh, categories, which is unheard of for our man Joe. No kidding. He normally tops out at about five correct. uh, Nailed 16 of them. Fucking good for him. So congratulations to Joe. Uh, Him, me, um, uh, my brother's husband, Aaron, and uh, uh, Mongol Tom's daughter, Kylie, uh, tied for four. Or tied for first with 16 correct. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to join in the fun there, but then I decided that I wasn't. So... (laughs) That's a good. That's a good decision and story, Rob. Thank you, boy. What the fuck's aroma? And why did it's? Alfonso it's kind of like the. Uh, it's another word for fragrance, but usually for food. Mm, Touche. It's. Uh, I haven't seen it. Um, <clears throat> from the little preview thing they were showing on the Oscars, it looks fucking wild, uh, and I kind of want to see it. It's. Um, it's a Netflix original movie that was nominated for uh, Best oh. Picture. And it won Best Director. It won Best Cinematography. It was nominated for Acting Awards. Um, it, it, was supposed, it was supposed to win Best Picture. Um, and then the, I keep wanting to say the green room, but it's not. It's the, that's the a totally green, different It's movie. the green zone, uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah. the, the green room is wildly different yeah no that's whenever jean-luc picard becomes a neo-nazi and chops Chekhov's hand off yes oh boy that is a wild fucking movie if you haven't watched it i haven't seen it uh, right past me it's one of jason Pyle's uh favorites it's it is a fucking ride like if you ever get the chance and you want to just watch something absolutely insane start to finish and the kids are absolutely nowhere like nowhere around watch that the green room is fucking insane but anyway the green room uh, yeah it's it's well, crazy. It's, it, it's uh it's what's his name they're in a band right and they're in the green room at like yeah. at, at a concert yeah, so it's the, the 2018 uh, version of this movie or the 78 version of this movie? 2018, I suppose. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a version from 1978? Uh, yeah, French, apparently. Ah, didn't know that. Uh, yeah, it's about this punk band that goes to some like shitty show in the deep south and uh, they end up like witnessing a murder and like everything goes like tits up from there <laughs> it's tits, it's fuck it's up. yeah it's insane the green room yeah there's also a 2008 movie by the same name uh i'm not a sure lighthearted it's romantic comedy and four wasn't smashed by a portion but i'm not finding anything that even looks like that so i gave your title mm, wrong no i'm pretty sure you're wrong Oh, Green Room, 2015. There, there comes a first a, thing that comes night. up. You mean it's not the Green Room with uh, like Benji Muhammad and uh, Banjo Carmichael and Muhammad Fall? 
Banjo Carmichael yeah, I, might I saw have been that one. Oh, my, my man Banjo. Hold on. Banjo Carmichael. Carmichael. <laughs> yeah. Sir, a, sir, what a, name would you like on your SAG card? A fat Asian kid. <laughs> what name would you like on your SAG card? You know, shot the darker. It's probably taken, so I'm not married to it. Banjo Carmichael? Uh, no, it's available. <laughs> Well, speaking of fat Asian kids, okay. Have have either? Well, I was hoping Joe was here, but he's not. Have either of you gents seen the interview? Mm. The interview, the film, no. the movie, the interview with uh oh, you're talking uh with Seth Rogen, James Franco, yeah. Yes, 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 I have. Rob, oh, is that the one where? Mm. It's North is Korea. That... Okay, yeah, 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 I've seen that. It's the one that. How could you it, not know the, if you'd seen it or not, Rob? That's what I don't understand. I didn't remember the title of it. <laughs> yes, I have seen it. That it's was the, the one that. It's the movie. That was the one that got Sony like death threats and like massive public leakage of like like s- s- private information for their entire rank and file. It, and it's the movie that let us Korea. know that that we were going to get. Uh, it's the movie that led to Sony giving Marvel the rights to Spider-Man. Yeah. Really? So, yes. If, if it wouldn't, if because the North Korean hackers hacked Sony, all of their inner office emails were released saying that they had no, they didn't know what they were doing with the Spider-Man franchise. It was, um, they had no confidence in things. And it allowed, like, they couldn't deny it anymore. So when Marvel knocked at the door and said, like, hey, we know what to do with them, they were like, okay, we, it's pretty obvious that we don't, so let's do this thing. Yeah, they nailed that on the head. So thank you, Rogan and Franco, for that. Most. But anyway, yes, I've seen it. I don't, I don't mind the movie at all. I think it's, well, it's not a good movie. It's just a fucking Seth Rogan movie. Uh... That's true, but uh, it, there's some pretty damn funny parts in it. Yes, 100%. Um, and I love Lizzie Kaplan. So True, true. But it also got me thinking about uh, Asian stereotypes in film of late and my guy Randall Park. Or my love. Or like millennial Ken Jong, as some people might know him. But there's like the only two guys that get cast in any sort of humorous Asian role ever. And it's those two guys. And uh, I find that discriminatory yet hilarious. Because there's not many funny Asians? I don't know. In film? I don't that, know. Or are you saying that they're not allowed to be portrayed as funny? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm saying if there's ever a funny Asian part in a movie, it's given to one of those two guys. I don't know if there's any other funny Asians, but I don't, I don't think they're getting a shot at it. Trying to think of, because honestly, when you, when, if you think, I, I, all I think of is Randall Park. You don't think of Ken Jeong? No, and, and Ken Young too. Is it just because he's the, it's a great question. Are they the only two funny Asians or are they the only two Asians allowed to be funny? Aha. Uh-huh. Hmm. Now you're with me. What about uh, what about uh, what's his no. name from Star Trek? No. Who? 
Um, Aziz Ansari is not Asian. <laughs> also not in Star Trek. Oh. <clears throat> well, because I, I was also considering the, uh, you had mentioned a couple weeks back that you thought Ant-Man and Wasp was better than the original. And I disagreed wholeheartedly, having never seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay. Uh, which I watched the other night with my kids. And uh, Randall Park was kind of stole the show in that, I thought. I think he steals the show and everything. I, I, I actually think I might agree with you now that it office. might actually be better than the original. Well, one, there's more Wasp by like 100%. So I think that alone no, makes it's, it better. No, it's actually got more black people in it than the first one. <laughs> yes, I would agree with that. <laughs> Far more you diverse went, cast. You went white Anglo-Saxon Protestant on me, didn't oh, you? Oh, you, you went with the, the, yeah, the nameplate here. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, that makes more sense. You're, you're probably right on that one. Um, Randall Park in that one episode when he plays Jim and, and they completely, Oh, that's marvelous. Like they have the family picture of, of him and Pam and uh, that's hard to beat for me. Yeah. He's, he's something about his delivery kind of always just gets me. So I'm fine with him being the typecast Asian, to be honest with you. Uh, what? Why? Why is? Why can I not think of his name? Who? Sulu. He was. He was Sulu on Star Trek. Oh, that guy doesn't have a name, does he? Uh, yes. yes. Which uh, the newer M- Sulu Miles Morales? No. The new. The 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 new. He was in. He was a. Uh, he was a uh, Harold in Harold and Kumar. Oh. Uh, oh. Oh. I can't remember his fucking name. I keep, I mean, I keep going back to George Takai, but that was it's, OG. Well, there is, there's George Takai too. I mean, I guess he's, I mean, John like, Cho. John Cho. He's, there we go. Yeah. All right. I, I guess. I mean, sure. Why not? But it's a good, I mean, it's, no, it's a good question because there's gotta be, I mean, there's, there's, it's not a, it's not like, you could have a humorless race, for Christ's sake. I'm just trying to think, like, Daniel Day Kim, has he ever been in anything not, like, Lost or Hawaii Five-0? No. He wasn't, that, like, that, the serious that, Korean? No. Kidding me. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a good question. Why is it the... Why is that the only... Can you think of another... Uh, uh, ethnicity of people that this affects? Well, aside from the previously mentioned Aziz Ansari, I think he's kind of locked down the... Like that? That. The, the yeah. The brown skin, straight hair role, I think, is his is to maintain. The brown hair, straight skin role. No, I had that backwards. Yeah, that's. No, I like. Still, I like where you're going. I'm still. I'm still like just unpacking that. Who's the dude? Who's the dude that also has that lockdown? Uh, it's not Michael Pena, though. He has his own typecast thing. It's the guy that always plays the Native American now, and anything that has a slightly Native American tinge. Was he also in Ant Man? No, 
No. Because he was a Navajo wind talker Him. also. Yes. What is his name? You know who I'm talking about. Rudy. Is it Rudy? Giuliani. I was going to. Damn it. Yep. Yep. That's that's the, the Indian wind talker. Uh, Rudy, Rudy Youngblood. Rudy Youngblood. Rudy Youngblood. Rudy Young from Apocalypto? Yeah. Is that not the same? I don't know who I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's him, I've isn't never, it? I've never seen him in anything other than Apocalypto. Okay, then it's not him. Uh, what the heck is his... Uh, i got to find a movie he's in. Let's find the movie Windtalkers. Adam Beach. Adam Beach is who I'm speaking of. He's got that Come thing on. locked down like crazy. With a name like Beach. Right, yeah. What's, yeah, what's not to love? And he's... Uh, uh, he was in Wind Talkers because he reminds me a lot of uh, what's his name from uh, Ant Man. He remi- he's Michael Luis, Pena. Him yeah, and Michael Mike, Pena. Him and Michael Pena. He's could Navajo be, uh, Michael Pena. <laughs> and we got an episode title just like that. <laughs> it just comes. You can never. I mean, you can't. You know, you can't premeditate something like Navajo Michael Pena. We didn't come into this knowing we were going to say that. No, it just sometimes it just rolls, rolls the That's way you want awesome. it to. That's just awesome. Uh, let's see here. What do we want to do? What do we want to do? Sorry, I was talking out loud. But but yeah, Adam Beach, who I like also. But so yeah, there is only like a handful of these uh, of these ethnic cats to get those roles. Anyhow. There's a lot of there's a lot of nudity in this movie. Wind talkers yeah, checks out. It's a lot of female nudity, though. I mean, like I I thought this was a movie made for I thought like this was like I'm not their target audience, right? Allegedly, supposedly. You think there'd be like some like less tits and more like dong. Less tits, more dong. That could be an episode title too, though. Just saying. Quite possibly. I mean, it, it could, I think we could go with that. <laughs> oh, man. Less tits, more dong. We, uh, Rob, would you like to, would you like to usher our guest into the chat? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, less tits, more dong. Yes, it is. A, I believe he's a man, so that's that does fit criteria. I've never met him, but I'm just I'm. <laughs> I mean, I've I'm never just, met him. I'm just saying. Who is is this Dakota credit. Johnson? Right, Dakota Johnson's the female in this. Unfortunately, is this like, yes. Isn't she like Kurt Russell's daughter or something? What's her? Uh, uh, no, she's Don Johnson's kid, I believe. Don Johnson and who? Don Johnson. Yeah. Who's who's your mom? Her mom's the real Melanie famous. Griffith, right? Melanie Griffith. So she's Melanie Griffith's daughter. Apparently. Though so that might have been right in the transitional phase, and it could have been your boy Antonio Banderas that actually popped that one out. No one says I for sure. Think, I don't think she's Antonio Banderas. You're, you're not buying that? Okay. Daughter. Well, no. Agree to disagree. I actually forgot that Antonio Banderas. And uh, what's her name or a thing? Are you saying it's Melanie Griffith? Yeah, correct. Why did I want to say Meg? 
Mm. I don't know why you would ever want to say Meg. Have you been watching Family Guy lately? Where Meg Meg is a uh, they're really playing her off as a murderer this season, which is great. Yeah. (laughs) No, I I, I got a little surprise. In one of the latest episodes, they had uh, an Al Pacino maker. It's a cappuccino maker that when it's done, it goes. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I fucking died. <laughs> hey, can you guys see me? Sorry. Oh, hey. Yeah, no, we, we sure can. can. How are you doing today? What are you, what are you driving there? Is that, a, is that an Audi? Sorry, it kind of cut out there for a second. Oh, yeah. No, we can hear you just fine. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you all. You guys, I feel like I interrupted a great conversation i feel horrible we were we were debating uh we were debating if it was don johnson or antonio banderas that knocked up melanie griffith um which one was zorro because that's who knocked her up antonio yeah that's that's, that's the latin fella yeah really (laughs) i would i wouldn't have thought that dakota johnson was his daughter yeah i don't know i i thought it was a small world you know i have to look it up i thought it was don johnson's kid but no, I, I throw that out there, but I honestly have zero idea of even who. <laughs> I think by just sheer by going and rolling the dice, I think you made a smart choice. Because in a vacuum, I think you would go yeah. there. Well, and Let's, if you had to pick between somebody I've never heard of and Zorro, that's an easy choice for me. You've yeah, never you heard of Don Johnson? Don Johnson. Original Miami Vice, the TV show. Yeah, see, you guys lost me. Yeah, I yeah. Might, have, might have dated myself a little bit. That's fine. Carry on. I've seen it, Nick. I know, yeah. Well, with us tonight, we have uh, Tanner Yarrow. And uh, I'm. you got a hold of me for your Kickstarter that's going on right now. And I've got to say, like, playing Dungeons & Dragons for years, this is incredible. Uh, and I don't know how something like this hasn't really been mass produced already. So I'm curious, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your, uh, Kickstarter you got going on right now. So yeah, the Kickstarter I've, I started playing D and D about five years ago and I, I come from a very (laughs) entrepreneurial family. My father's, he brought the first data centers to Utah and so that's kind of his, his claim to fame. And so I always knew that, you know, building something was in my blood, but software is just so beyond me. I don't even understand it even for a second. And so I always knew that it would be physical products. So after playing D&D for a couple of years, the realization hit me that this game literally hasn't changed in 50 years. <laughs> yeah. At all. Nothing has changed about it. And I was playing with a group of kids that had been playing for 20, 25 years plus with my uncle. And I just kept asking... <clears throat> does this exist? And they'd say, uh, no. And I'm like, okay, well, that's weird. Does this exist? And they're like, no. Like, what the? Okay, so there's there's some serious opportunity here, and I ended up loving the game, and so I just thought, what's better than just doing what you love? Very little. Yeah, there's uh, very little. So that's kind of where the idea came from was... I would say the, the very first time I ever played D&D was at the local comic book shop and I heard that they played on Saturdays and so I went down to give it a try. And I was blown away that every time we decided to go into a new doorway, the DM was sitting there and erasing them. Like he sprayed it off and then he erased it and then he started drawing the new one and he's like, now which way do you guys want to go? And I was like, there's no way this is D&D. 
And but it had been for so long. <laughs> yeah. And so I, and then the, the, the next group that I found was theater of the mind, which I found so much more enjoyable than pausing every 20 seconds to redraw the place that we were in mm-hmm. that, uh, and then I, and then I spent tons of time DMing and I would, uh, do digital maps on a TV and a proje- I tried a projector for a while, but it just came to the point where as a DM, I was just so frustrated that I would plan an adventure and my party would not care at all. Like, okay, I, yeah. I planned this awesome train battle and they don't care and they don't want to go on the train. They'd rather get in a bar fight. And so I was like, well, if I can make a book, I can be prepared. Yeah. And so your book is just a massive collection of battle maps, more or less different environments, different, um, you know, scenarios and artwork. And, uh, it's gridded out so you can actually use miniatures on the book itself. Uh, And I, I tried to make sure that all the maps in it were just like the most common locations that as a DM, you could just keep it in your back pocket for when the story goes a different direction. You got the bar fight, you got the, the graveyard, you got the boat in the water, you got just a beach. Um, and then I threw a couple fun ones in that I think DMs are going to be able to really create some awesome scenarios around like lava pits and hedge mazes. And so it'd be really fun. It'll, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've been playing on the same book that I made a prototype of for like six months, almost every other week. And, and my groups all seem to just love it. How, how big is the book? So open, the book is 22 inches by 17 inches. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, a ranger on one end of the table can, uh, can get out of range being able to hit a monster from the other side. The book also weighs five pounds. So when it hits the table, you want to make sure there's no sleeping babies nearby. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer all my books over two pounds. So that's fantastic. Well, that's how you know it's a real book. Right. Paperbacks be damned. I was, looking at, I was looking at the Kickstarter, and one of the things that popped into my mind, and I don't know if it's something that you, th- you probably have thought about it. If you were to have multiple books, are there maps that can be kind of put against each other to make a – now instead of 22 inches, it's 44 yeah, so there's a bunch of book, there's a bunch of maps that work very cohesively together. Um, I'd say about half of them work well together. The other half, oh, cool. you'd, just, you'd have to get creative, but but I I don't doubt that that creative DMs could figure that out. But yeah, there's a lot of maps that work well together. The most I've combined books is just using the same map. For example, we have a giant castle wall with trebuchets and and molten. Uh, tar buckets at the top of it and then the two-thirds of the map is just an open field so i've put two books together to make the wall 44 inches long and then you can yeah you can do big army battles and sieges against the wall so that's the one that okay, i found the most that's, out of that's badass it's the first thing i thought of when i saw the when i saw the kickstarter video was man i wonder how many of those you could string together to create like a a, a massive uh, fortress or a massive yeah. fortress or a massive yeah. um 
uh, water, landscape, anything. I thought that was, uh, that's the first thing that crossed through my mind was that. And it's cool that you thought about it. So, yeah. So actually the next book, we're already working on the artwork for the next book while we pull the trigger on manufacturing for this round. Uh, we have manufacturing all lined up and, and even our Chinese factory was like, why aren't you guys doing 12 books this year? Just from the sheer volume. But the next book is actually going to be a full playable dungeon. So if you Ooh. did buy 30 books, you could lay the whole thing on the table and it would all connect. <laughs> That's actually kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it kind of becomes a choose-your-own-adventure dungeon in a $35 book where you can say, okay, there's three ways out of this room. Uh, one leads to page six, one leads to page 15, and the other leads to page 20, you know? I dig that. I definitely That's like very that. cool. That's very cool. So who does your art for this? Because the art is absolutely phenomenal. It's gorgeous just throughout. Yeah, so I've done I've done a lot. I've pulled in some extra help. His name is Antochi Bogdan. He is an amazing that's, artist. That's the name he told you his name was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that could be a, his gnome de plume. But uh, you know, saying I think that's the first time I've ever said his name out loud, and it doesn't sound real at all. but he does amazing work that's on par with what what i've been able to do and so uh i don't care what he calls him himself or herself (laughs) yeah and it's uh it it looks like it's just been wildly successful so far i mean you've got nine days to go as right now whenever this episode uh, episode goes live you'll have you know a, a week or so Still, uh, and you're uh, over four, like what is forty three hundred percent? Yeah, that was the most mind blowing thing. I think there's a couple things I did right that might be of value to your listeners because one thing I found in the D and D community is, holy crap, are we we a creative bunch? And oh, yeah. and it's such a amazing environment to be creative and think on your toes, and that's kind of what drew me to it. So I guarantee. Even you guys and, and all your listeners probably have been sitting on an idea to make D&D or Pathfinder or whatever they play that much better. And so the biggest thing for me was uh, building a following beforehand. And uh, I did that through social media. I, I tied people in. I just said, hey, I'm working on this map book. Tell me what you think. I ran surveys. And then I expected that the Kickstarter would do around 50,000 and that I would have to like pay out my butt for the marketing for it and maybe break even if I was lucky. Um, But because I had such a solid following at the get-go, I had about a thousand people that were just ready to back it and had felt like they had been involved and they totally had been. Um, And within the first day... Uh, we hit our 10,000 funding goal and it had been shared on Facebook like 200 times. So my props seriously go out to my uh, founding family, we'll call them. And that's what I would recommend. If anybody's working on anything like that and want to kick once, once the kick started, I would start recruiting loyal followers to the cause. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, definitely worked for you at this point. I mean, like I said, you are way over, you've hit, I mean, tons and tons of, uh, um, your, 
stretch goals. And uh, so you said your next project is going to be uh, kind of like a build your own or like a uh, like a dungeon crawl book, right? Yeah. So we've learned a couple things from this first one. You now the first is that people love the maps. They also want more, you know, with the maps, we I've had hundreds, hundreds of requests saying, do you have a module to go with this book? And that was something that I just like, don't have because I'm one person. And this is this is literally gonna kill me before I even finish it, the amount of work that is going into this. Um, but the the dungeon will have a, a callback to Tower of Gax. So we will have a classic dungeon crawl module built around the map book. So you can just, you, you have your map book, you have your dungeon crawl. And hopefully, uh, hopefully Wiz, Wizards of the Coast jumps on this because one thing that's cool about the current book on the Kickstarter is I just played through Curse of Strahd and had the most difficult time finding maps for it and printing them out <laughs> and trying to figure out where my party was going to go next. So actually this current book has every map that you would need to play through Curse of Strahd. But that's like unofficial because right. I didn't license licensing. <laughs> but I just made sure that there's a campsite by a river for when you go talk to the gypsies and I won't give you any more spoilers, but Yeah, so uh how, how many hours would you say went into this project? Oh. The one thing I've learned is that there's no such thing as like easy quick money. Yeah. Um, I, I've been working on this every day, like 14 hour days with little breaks for Sea of Thieves and Apex uh, <laughs> for the last six months. Um, oh, man. Yeah. From building the audiences to getting the artwork done to finding and lining up manufacturers. That's one thing that I think I did well was I lined up manufacturing and fulfillment before I launched on Kickstarter. And I get a lot of crap because a lot of the Kickstarter community is like, there's no way you're going to finish it in the time frame that you have. Yep. Uh, Kickstarters are super hard. And it's like, you know what? My expertise isn't in Kickstarter. And that's why the campaign page is a mess. But where I do excel, I think, is manufacturing and, and fulfillment and, and product designing products. So, You know, I've fallen prey to a lot of Kickstarters where everything looks so smooth and lined up and professional and everything's good to go and it's an, it's an engaging product and the creator's engaging and um it seems like all the ducks are in a row and now it's been like three and a half four years and i'm still waiting on this board game so it's uh kickstarter could be an interesting thing and i think uh very smart of you to have the back end already figured out before beforehand that's uh uh, that was wise. So yeah, credit where credit is due. I've been a part of four Kickstarters in the past. Um, I didn't manage the Kickstarter side, but I did do all of the product design for them. And so I was very aware of the potential road bumps that exist uh, when running a Kickstarter and was totally able to learn from all the mistakes. Uh, they, they were few, but they were mistakes that were made with the other Kickstarters. Um, sorry, I'm backing up in my truck. <laughs> what, do you, what do you drive? Um, I drive a, a big Ram truck that's lifted. I got in an accident about 
Here's here's the uh, moral of the podcast today. Don't text and drive. I yeah. got sideswiped by a 14-year-old or a 16-year-old kid texting and driving on the freeway in uh, my little Honda Civic and flipped it multiple times. Everybody was okay. Oh, boy. And that's how it's going now. Uh, Ouch. It's got to be high not, off not, the ground. Not counting podcasts that we intentionally uh, recorded while we were driving. Um, I believe huh. there's one last it's year. true. Uh, Multiple. This will be our third episode where our guest uh, uh, was recording from a vehicle. Uh, just so you know, you're our third. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it definitely keeps you on your toes for sure. The first one was a guy who I think kept driving through tunnels. We kept losing them. <laughs> the second one was a guy by the name of Ray Archie. Oh, and this Ray. was in our this was uh, this is episode two hundred and fifty. Uh, this is our sixth season. This was way back in our second season. This is a callback for you fans who are listening. Ray Archie was um, higher than a kite. He was with his entourage, and they were going mm-hmm. to a birthday party for Fergie. I kept wanting to say it was Jessica Alba. It no. makes so much more sense. Oh, no. <laughs> and they were, and uh, it was a magical he, time. He was in a limo, I'm pretty sure. And we we recorded our episode from the time the limo picked him up until he got to Fergie's place. It was fantastic. It was one of <laughs> our best just, ever. <laughs> so you're our third. So this is uh that's cool. I mean that's a that's a uh, that's a history book thing for us. Yeah, did I I mean I'm not I, I said I was in a truck, I lied. I'm actually in a Hummer limo in a hot tub surrounded by <laughs> uh, the ghost of Gary Gygax and Vin Diesel. And we're actually playing D D on a floating battle map book. So stay tuned for that <laughs> Kickstarter. Perfect. That's fantastic. I hope, that li- I hope the limo has an ejector seat that you can send Vin Diesel flying. At your will. <laughs> you know, I heard that he built that into his own car after doing the Triple X movies. Uh, that that yeah, sounds like him. That, um, that's not- I believe I, my conspiracy theory is that there actually is no such thing as a Vin Diesel. Mm. It's We've the all rock just and been... white face. <laughs> God, that's actually hilarious. <laughs> that's like a. That's like a uh, that's a white card in Cards Against Humanity. I'm pretty sure the rock and white face. <laughs> well, face. You look yeah. at his statistics. There's no way that man legitimately did like 35 movies last year. I, I I'm pretty sure I caught most of them, but the the numbers that he puts out. The other crazy one is Nick Cage. He did like 30 plus movies in 2018. I, I haven't I, seen one of them. <laughs> right. That's why it's crazy. <laughs> oh man! I think the only one I saw was yes. I if I wouldn't. Well, I'm just saying. I I would tell you. I would I would say bullocks on that fact. There's no way he did 30 some movies last year. That's crazy. Okay, Which is the I'm point gonna, you're trying to make? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you exactly how many movies in last year. Okay, film. <laughs> Okay, ready? He was in mm-hmm. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. 16 in, from 2018 to 2019. So not Are we 30, talking about 16 Nick Cage? movies. 
Yeah, but that's still 16 movies in like a year and a couple months. Wow. That's a lot. I haven't even heard of half of these. Mom and Dad? Nope. Looking <laughs> at Hard pass. Nope. The Humanity Bureau. Two eleven. Okay, he played Superman in the Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which was great. What? And he was Spider-Man Noir. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. Spider-Man Noir. That's true. And and Mandy, which was also great. Between Worlds, never heard of. Running with the Devil, Love Antosha, Primal. Yeah, I don't I don't recognize any yeah. of these. <laughs> there must be something to the tax code of of filmmaking. I don't get. You know the the like volume where you of you have to be in a certain amount of movies. No, the 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 amount of there must be some kind of tax benefit for write-offs because the amount of movies that get made that don't make any fucking money. Well, here's here's a crazy wild theory that if I if you guys call me in like four days and I'm not alive anymore, it's because I I have this theory. But I feel like like a big chunk of movies are money laundering schemes. Is that crazy? Uh, no, I'll I'll, I'll no, play your game. That's because you look. That's, take take Mortal Engines for instance. They had they we? got no name actors. They got they got this huge budget, and then they put out this this horrible movie. Where did the budget go? Right. I think it's some mafia don paying his nephew like a hundred million dollars to air quote fingers make a movie to clean the money. Yeah. Then you start seeing these movies and you're like, why is this like all those movies about like a talking dog that you see a preview for every three months? Every single one of those, I swear, is a money laundering scheme because there's no way people are still making those movies to make those movies. You're starting to sound sound like Randy Quaid. I just want to throw that out there. I'll buy into this deep Hollywood theory if we can call it deep wood. That's deep wood. That's basic. Yeah. Hollygate. Yeah. <laughs> that's a worthwhile theory though it's actually probably right that's probably exactly what it is i i bet i bet to some extent that's that's the case i mean when you look at like las vegas and and hollywood it's kind of run by by the the mafia anyways so it, it wouldn't it wouldn't uh blow mm. my mind to find out that that they use it to move and clean money mm. nick what say you does this have any validity uh no. no. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it has. It has. I'm also Which... a college dropout with barely a high school degree, so you can't trust me at all. I didn't even know who Antonio Banderas was. That's true, you didn't. But you did know he was Zorro. I thought I thought that he was Zorro in real life, though. Yeah, no, oh. he is. <laughs> yeah, he he wears the cape everywhere he can go. So I'm uh, I'm curious. You uh, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, you had worked on a couple of other projects. I can see from your uh, Kickstarter here. Uh, what are what are some of these games that you'd worked on? Forty Builder Boom, Globots, Dungeon Derby. Yeah, so a lot of lessons learned from all of these. So Forty was our my first foray into Kickstarter. I designed these collapsible inflatable forts that a five-year-old could pump up in like 15 seconds and they had like this it was like a castle in a bag like something right out of an acme movie or an acme cartoon and i learned two valuable lessons one inflatables is super duper 
a horrible market to be in uh, because the returns are just astronomical. If one gets a pop, you you, you kind of have to cover that, and you you have like ten percent of them ship with holes in them already. Um, and we didn't line up manufacturing before we ran the Kickstarter. So although we made about fifty some odd thousand dollars, we lost money on that Kickstarter and and shipped those products. And so we kind of chalked that up as as a loss. Luckily, we found. Uh, a distribution partner out of Florida that was willing to cover some of our losses and take the product off of our hands. Um, so that was a very valuable lesson learned. And I still think it's an awesome product, but uh, inflatables is just hard. And then the next one that we did was Builder Boom, which is a game for little kids. But it's just so, I think it's the funnest toy if you have kids under 10 that you can buy at Walmart currently. Uh, it's a block stacking game. So kids race to copy a card that has blocks in kind of like a puzzle on a platform. And so you're stacking these blocks. And if you finish first, you smash a dynamite and it detonates the other person's structure while they're mid-build. All right. Sounds a ton of fun. We, we, did a, we did a Kickstarter for like a week so that we could drum up some pre-sales to boost our Amazon ranking. That was kind of an experiment that we ran that I think did really well for us. We ended up with like 50 five-star Amazon reviews from our Kickstarter communities. Um, so that one was fun. Dungeon Derby was another one that we just did on Kickstarter that did like 69,000. Um, and that's like a miniature dungeon. Uh, you're betting on adventurers in a dungeon to see who's going to make it out alive. But then you're also... Uh, sending in monsters and trying to kill the other Dungeoneers. So whoever has the most money at the end of that game wins, but it's more of a fun little party drinking game. I still think that game is super duper fun. Um, that but, one sounds like a blast, actually. I could totally get behind that. It's a good beer and pretzel game. I think it's on Amazon right now. Um, we lost money on that Kickstarter, too, because we didn't have shipping figured out beforehand. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't involved with that Kickstarter. Um, mostly I, I, I designed the game um, and, and partnered with, with a team that ran the Kickstarter and the sales portion. But we had a couple international backers complaining that their product took a while to get to them. But that's yeah. we didn't have shipping lined up. And then one of my favorite products that's not out yet, that's actually coming out in August, is called Glowbots. And it's basically the illegitimate love child between Lightbright and Funko Pop Vinyl collectible characters. You have my attention. Okay. So, yeah, let me Whoa. see if I can break this down. So it's a Funko-shaped figurine that has holes in it and lights inside. And then using translucent <laughs> pegs, you can make him look like Spider-Man or Iron Man or... Batman or Superman. I can send you guys pictures in the Discord actually. Would that help? I guess I guess the people listening yeah. can't see. But let me let me show you guys what this looks like. So we were just at New York Toy Fair showing this one off. How was that Toy Fair? A good time? Oh, Toy Fair is so fun. That's the thing. Once yeah, you start it's, making it's on toys, my bucket list. Yeah, once you start making toys, it's hard to do anything else. <laughs> Uh, my first foray into into toys, though, was 
uh, Dallas Toy Preview. It's a show that's in uh, Dallas, Texas, obviously, but it's closed to the public, and it's a closed booth show. Now, this is this is jargon that I learned afterwards, but when I first heard that I was going to go to this toy show and show off my toys, I was expecting everybody to be like Willy Wonka. You know, you'd walk in and you'd see somebody's booth and they'd be like, oh, hi, I'm the yo-yo man. Look at my yo-yos. And you'd be super pumped and stoked to be there. But I walked over to the very first booth and the guy, the guy that was standing there goes, who the hell are you? And I was like, what? What? I'm here. And he's like, yeah, I'd rather you not look at this stuff. And I was like, what? This is so depressing. What is this? Ed DeBevick's toys? But, uh, yeah. But New York Toy Fair is different. It's open to the public. So it's stuff that is uh, available for retailers. Um, Dallas Toy Preview is like stuff that's coming out next year that, that may be in the middle of patents or something and they're not allowed to show it. So I understand where the guy was coming from now, but I was very depressed with that information, thinking that the toy world was not what I expected it until we made it to toy fair. Okay. Tell me if these yeah, pictures gotta... came through. I don't have anything yet. Yeah, me neither. They just barely sent. Oh, there we go. Oh yeah. Oh, those oh, are, cool. yeah, those are pretty awesome. Yeah. Those are pretty rad. Yeah, so they have a little battery LED light in them, and those pegs are removable, and you can sit there and make whatever you want. I like sitting there and doing, you know. And then so we just signed a deal with Warner Brothers, so it'll launch with Superman, Batman, uh, Harley Quinn, Wonder Woman. I have that picture coming through. So you'll get these peg packs that are like blues and skin colors and yellows and reds and greens, and then there'll be little instructions on how to make Superman, how to make Batman, and then what's cool is it comes with enough pegs that if you can get creative, you can actually make an Iron Man and a Spider-Man, even though we don't have the licenses to those. <laughs> It'd be really cool to have a Rob Bass Glowbot, I'm just saying. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. That's, that's what's cool about it is Funko Pop Vinyl, if they don't make the character that you want, you're out of luck. But here, <laughs> right. less a collectible, more of a creative toy, so you can make Zorro, Antonio Banderas, without his permission. <laughs> fantastic i love it yeah so that's that's kind of my background in toys um D D is obviously a very different world than toys and uh but i was still able to meet with alliance distribution and diamond at toy fair and they're they're super interested in carrying the book so pretty exciting well, good. I'm, I'm glad this has turned out to be such a successful venture. I'm probably going to end up uh, buying into it myself because uh, this is something that I could use on a weekly basis. It's If you play D&D at all, uh, it's something like this is a godsend. You don't have to prepare battle maps. There are just tons of them. Beautiful artwork, just ready and available like for the, the drop of a dime. Yeah, that's and that's why they were created. Hopefully it's... Uh... I kind of got sick of seeing the terrain, the 3D terrain gets so expensive. It does. Yeah. Dwarven right. Forge adds up real quick. Yes, it does. Like, obviously, <laughs> that's the dream, right? To have hundreds of pieces of Dwarven Forge terrain and be able to set it up. But even if you have that, you can spend $500 and three hours building a dungeon that your party is, might never even go to, you know? You yeah. Tough as a DM <laughs> to want to shoehorn the party, but... 
parties don't like that. They want to. Yeah. They, they want to go uh, have sex with the queen and and, and get in fuck up the fights. world in as many yeah different ways as possible. Yeah, spoken as a guy who likes to play a murder hobo as often as possible. Yep. <laughs> it's just more, it's just more fun that way. What's really funny is when you first start playing D anD. d you're a murder hobo, you're pickpocketing everything, you're fighting over loot, and then you kind of immerse yourself in the culture and you realize literally every meme around D&D is hating on you as a player, and that's when you kind of do your first up. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, at the end of our show, we uh, actually go through and uh, do a Geek Weekly. So what if you, uh, as our guest, you get to decide whether or not you... Uh, want to go first or last in telling us what you've been geeking on this week? Um, I'm super excited about something that I think All is right. pretty interesting. If I can geek out first. Yeah, go for it. I don't know if this is the direction, but um, are you guys familiar with Batman the Damned? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it part of the new, uh, what is it called, Deceased? No, so it's part, of, it's part of the DC Black Label. They're doing a run of their superheroes in these kind of darker timelines and darker storylines. So so Batman the Damned issue number one recently came under fire because for the first time ever in three different panels, you see the outline of Batman's uh, little boy wonder. Oh, they show his they show his dick. I feel like I had heard something about this yeah. recently, actually. No, they, they totally show show Batman's penis for like uh, he, he he's he's getting hmm. the Joker's kind of getting into his head and and Bruce Wayne is and having to deal dance. with having to deal with the, the this Batman persona kind of overtaking him. It's very mental. And so he's walking into the Batcave. It's a really awesome moment in the comic, but he's slowly taking off his bat suit while he's talking to it and he's super in his own head. And then you just get you turn the page and you're just like blindsided by by this I mean by the bat dong. By the bat dong. By the um, bat what's dong. Interesting why I'm geeking out is because I had a, uh, I got a copy from a buddy who was selling it for about 50 bucks. Um, when I heard that uh, Batman's like my all time favorite, when I heard that his dong is in a comic, I had to have a piece of that history. I was also just curious. I think all dudes are, you know, how, you know, you want to yeah. compare yourself to Batman. This is how you do it. And well, it's uh, really the only way. It's, it's, it's quite literally the only official way to do it and so i got it for me for 50 bucks and the reason i'm geeking out is because recently warner brothers announced that in the reprinting they are censoring that out oh come on the first issue the first printing just skyrocketed and he he was like well can you pay me more money and i was like no screw you no no i own it now uh-uh. you can't do that yeah, I bought it. I bought it long before I knew that that nobody was going to ever be able to see it again. So yeah, they came under fire. It's it's still pretty cool. I think it'll I think it'll be pretty a pretty historic piece, whether, whether for good or bad. I think it's a pretty cool piece to have. So that's what I've been geeking out over lately. That's very awesome. Nice. That's perfect. Uh, Nico. What are you uh, been on this week? I, I can't compete with Batwang, that's for certain. <laughs> but uh, oh, the Batwang. Yeah. Yeah. 
but uh, I am uh, I am getting back onto my chess grind. So that's exciting. Uh, okay, you know, it's just uh, it's a, it's a good game and yeah, one of those uh, one of those creative pursuits um, when your body starts to fail you. So hopefully for the next fifty years or so, I can uh, sharpen up on this. So enjoying uh, enjoying some live chess as I'm podcasting this evening so. how are you uh how are you liking your wizard chess board now that i've got the uh got it working right uh i'm i'm enjoying it because i'm i'm multitasking here i've got my my tumbler of uh of jameson and some podcasting conversation and i've got a uh a wizard chess game going on at the same time so can't beat that beautiful though i think i may have just made a strategic error <laughs> carry on all right right guy what about you um in the quest for trying to find something new on netflix that isn't uh watching the umbrella academy again i uh started watching season two of documentary now have you guys ever watched any documentaries now? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's, um, it's possibly some of the most inspired like writing. Yeah, it's it's Hater and Armisen, mm-hmm. and they are doing send offs of famous documentaries, and they are just it, it's Armisen at his most uh, sociopathic mm-hmm. and. Um, it's just, it's a great, it's great. And so I didn't know that they did a season two. And so I, I found that tonight and watched a couple episodes and I can't wait to, uh, to finish it, to be honest with you. So yeah, I've been geeking on documentary now. I think they're working on a season three. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent on that. Yeah, no, uh, we're, I think they just started season three. Yeah. Like last week. Cool. What what docs are they doing send-offs for in season two? Uh, season two, I don't know. I just, uh, I just found it, and I don't. None of them like rang a bell to me. Let me pull up IMDb here for a second. Let me see. Because the one, the big standout from season one would be when they did uh, Grey Gardens. When they uh, when they were the two the two women from that uh, from was it Grey Gardens is that what it was called like the the two women who were like sisters and there was like a uh, there was like a raccoon in their house that kept eating their food and everything that sounds right I gotta fight they don't yeah, have it listed on documentary now or on uh, IMDb yeah I, I don't know I don't know setting off in uh, um. The the first the first one of the season is a it's a political one uh, called the bunker um, about uh, the Ohio gubernatorial race of 1992, and I'm pretty sure um, a Hater is playing a James Carvel character, so I don't know if there's a documentary about him or that surrounded him when he was with Clinton, but uh, it's great. It's just it makes me laugh. They're geniuses. I love they they really leaned into uh, John Mulaney in the second season as a writer. 
which I mean plays out great because him and Bill Hader did a lot of stuff on SNL together. But I mean, yeah, I love yeah, I I love Mulaney also. Just as that's no secret, uh, yeah. John Mulaney is fantastic anyway. So I think he did a. Uh, I think there's one with Richard Kind in it as well, where he sings a song, which is, those are like, I just said five of my favorite words. <laughs> so how about you, Rob? What are you geeking on this week? Oh, let's see. There were a couple of things that I've been geeking on this week, actually. Uh, so over the uh, course of the weekend, I went out with the fiance to go see How to Train Your Dragon 3. And if you like the first two in the franchise, you will thoroughly enjoy this one. Um, if you didn't, you'll probably also still like it. Um, it, uh, it was a good ending to the trilogy. Um, group. Fun story, uh, lots of new dragons and stuff. So overall, I, I really like that. Uh, the thing that I was most excited for, though, uh, today uh, at, I think, 6, uh, like 6 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, uh, we, I think that was 9 for us, uh, there was a new announcement for uh, the Pokemon Company for uh, the next release of the franchise. And it's going to be set in some Great Britain knockoff uh, region, and it's called Sword and Shield. And I am fucking ecstatic. Everything about this excites me. So I'm, I can't wait for more Pokemon. Con- conversely, nothing excites me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of the new starters? Oh, I'm going to get that, uh, well, what's it called? The uh, Grookey, the little monkey. Um, I think they're phenomenal. I love the, uh, I love for them. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if the fire type ends up being another firefighting type uh, by the end of the evolution chain. Uh, But overall, I really like the artwork for it. They're doing a great job with porting these over to the Switch and uh, really um, utilizing all of the the hardware for the Switch and making it just an absolutely gorgeous game. Speaking of uh, new Pokemon announcements, did you see the Detective Pikachu trailer too? I did see the new one. That I'm excited for. I I still stand by. I think that's going to be the highest this year. That's that's ridiculous. But I no the worldwide highest grossing movie of uh, this year. It's got Deadpool. It's got the that's gross. Bartending Ludiculo. Yeah, Mewtwo and G. I mean, it, it, it's I, I have no doubt it's going to beat out Star Wars and Endgame. And I, I mean, that's it, not, not belittling either of those that it's going to be a feat. And I ex, like, I'm, I'm could almost put money that Pokemon's going to top the two of those. Oh, but wait, you got, you got Endgame coming out too. You think yeah, Endgame and uh, episode nine for Star Wars this year. And I, I oh, still geez. believe that Pokemon's going to, it's, it's going to give them a run for his money. <laughs> It's going to – well, giving them a run for their money and beating them are I think it's going to beat them. wildly different things. I think it's going to beat them. I think it's going to be the highest grossing film worldwide it's a bold, this year. It's a, it's a, it's a bold it's, move. It's, it's a hot take, but I, I stand by it still. 
Well, I mean, good for you. Yeah, Pokemon is the highest grossing uh, franchise of all time, isn't it? Yep. Uh, uh, it's, it's definitely up there. Yes. No, you you can make weird noises all you want, Nick. But I did. I will. It's ins- I was. It's insane how much like the Pokemon franchise is worth. It is. It's insane. It's sickening. <laughs> well, Tanner, thanks for coming on and bullshit Thank with you. us. That was a good one. And, uh, and thanks for... Uh, you know, thanks for giving us some Kickstarter insights, and man, congratulations! That's a mm-hmm. that's a cool feat, man. And if you want our listeners to go ahead and check you out and your Kickstarter, where can they find you, and what should they be looking for? So, if you type "immersive battle maps" into Kickstarter, you'll find it. You can all see what I look like in the video. Um. And we had a great time shooting the video. I, I was actually proposing that same week. And so I forgot to get uh, actors and, and people and friends that wanted to be in the video. So I just rolled up to the comic book shop and found some people that I know from a long time ago and played D&D with. And they were more than willing to help. And so that's, that's the video we got. And it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Awesome. She said yes, I take it. Oh, yeah. She there said yes. Wonderful. Yeah, for you. So it was an easy yes. Uh, for the record, Nick, mm-hmm. Pokemon no has cares. beat out Star Wars by $25 billion. It's actually and accurate. I just, I just put the link there. <laughs> yeah. I laugh at the face of your facts. I scoff at you. Wait, this will make you sick. Hello Kitty even beat Yeah, down. Hello Kitty. It surprises me very little two of all time i i'm not sure all right i i'm not sure how that's quantified but it, oh, that, all right Fine. i'll look into it <laughs> total branding by, by numbers in sales nick but are you ta- you're talking total branding i don't know yes what's in hello, hello kitty's on like i mean thousands of products though yeah I mean, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. But that's. Fine. I will. I more want to know what Ann Pan Man is at sixty billion. Ann uh, Pan Man. Uh, yeah. This is. You know, I, I've. I, mm, I was going to make a joke about not wanting to know what it's about, but I, I think I'm just going to continue with not, not. I'm just. I'll live my life not knowing. <laughs> I think that's safe. That's better that way. Well, thank I'm you very much, Tanner. Ignorance is bliss, that one. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. Pre- Sorry I'm so uh, ADD and all over the place. <laughs> no, no God, you no. are perfectly fine. <laughs> you fit right in, bro. And we will go ahead and leave a uh, link to your Kickstarter down in our show notes below. Uh, be sure to get over there. Uh, they have nine days left, seven days as of this uh, episode going live. Uh, if you play D&D at all this is absolutely worth checking out so thanks again for coming on my man take it easy we really appreciate you coming on no I totally appreciate you guys this was super Good talking fun. to you so, thanks for letting me brag uh, and having me on for a little bit come on back <laughs> yep alright and if you uh, alright if, uh, if you like our show you know what to do. Go to iTunes, give us a five-star review, and why don't you go ahead and tell us who is the who is the David Robinson 
of Twister. <laughs> and if you want to get a hold of us, go to the Twitter or Facebook machine. You can hit us up at Geekcast Live and drop us a line. And uh, Nick's, Nick's uh, he just moved his queenside night. Um, and so he forgot to tell you to go to Patreon. I did. At patreon.com slash geekcastlive to give us your hard-earned dollars. That's my bad. Throw us some ducats, as you know, somebody on this show would say. I wouldn't, but nope, we do appreciate your is, support. And it his does name help is us. Joe, and he'd say, give a certain amount of money. Yes, give a certain amount of money to our general fund. His thing lately, that's been killing me, is he'll say, fucking yikes. <laughs> when? <laughs> and I fucking die when, he hear, when I hear it. Hey, should we, uh, should we do something special for your guys' Patreon backers? I would. I think it'd be sure. a perfect thing to do. Um, anybody who is a Patreon backer of the GCL podcast will get a free sticker page if they back the book. Perfect. There you you have it. So, so when you back the pledge manager, just let me know that you're also part of uh, the Patreon and I'll take care of it. Awesome. My man. Very nice. Love it. Well, thanks for tuning in guys. Everybody have a great night. Uh, Watch awful movies because sometimes it brings you joy. All right, see you guys. I'm getting off. Thank you so much. (laughs) Later. (laughs) See ya. Check this.
motherfucker.